The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 159 for the week of April 6th, 2020. Alex, we're in week two of our uh, newscast asked remotely so far you know we're, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties but hopefully this is the this is the good one yeah let, let's uh let's hope this is good um trying to get better audio but uh sometimes the internet doesn't uh doesn't want to play nice with us so i guess we'll yeah. see well technology is hard this is why security exists that's right so that's that's good uh well, how is, how is everything going? You know, I know your kids are back to school. Your wife's back to working. She works out of school, you know, where my kids just had a few days of getting onto online learning. And so far, you know, so far, so good. They're, they're pretty enthusiastic about having something to do. How about your kids? Yeah, well, I think just like um, actual school, my kids aren't super happy about uh, online learning, but I think that that's to be expected. I don't think it's anything in particular with online learning. Um, <laughs> just, but, learning. Uh, just, just learning in general. Um, but also, you know, the drawback that they don't get to see their friends, which is one of the benefits of actually going to school. So, right. Oh, well, uh, someday. Well, we did, we did have some, uh, some nice weather for the weekend, at least. We got out and did a, a, a nice bike ride today. It is weird, so weird to ride around and see everyone wearing face masks everywhere we go. That's, that's going to take yeah. some getting used to. Well, the weather is so nice. I'm actually recording outside right now, Rob. Well, that, that's why I hear those dogs barking in the background. Lovely. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, the all of the thousands of people that are out right now <laughs> making noise outside. All right. Well, let's go through some of our housekeeping. You know, we do have a Slack channel still, you know, very vibrant, lots of folks joining on a regular basis. I think it's become a, a place for people to, to really come and connect with, with folks since they're not getting to connect as much. If you want to join the Colorado Equal Security Slack channel, you go to colorado-security.com and click on the Slack button down below. We also have a mailing list. If you'd like to get the show notes sent to you, each week in your email, go to colorado-security.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, put your email address in, and sign up for that mailing list. We've had uh, quite, we've actually had a pretty significant drop in listeners over the last couple of weeks, and my guess is it's it's because people are not on their commute to work downloading. So if you don't automatically download the show into your your favorite podcast listening app, use this as your reminder. Go get it to automatically download, and maybe while you're there, you could put a nice uh, review for us that'll help us find additional listeners. Listeners, uh, and of course, we love to do this to to connect with as many folks in the community as we can. Also, feel free to tell a friend. Um, if you still have friends at this point and you're still communicating with people, then, uh, then let them know. Um, and if you're not, then I, I suggest that you do that so that you can uh, continue to be happy and healthy in this time of isolation. Uh, and a couple other ways you can help us out. If you, if you want to help us support us financially, you know, we have a Patreon. You know, we, we're not looking for any of the few who are having a hard time to help us. Of course, we, we uh, just love it. If, if you, any of you who want to help pay for the cost of the podcast want to go out there, though, um, you can do that. And also, you know, we'd love it if you want to help us do interviews. We have a, another guest interview this week. A uh, big thanks to Ty, who, who's, who did the interview and talk, talking to uh, our, our guest host over from Zvilo, excuse me, our, our, our feature interview from Zvilo. But if you want to help do interviews, whether it's in person or right now, it'd be remote, uh, send us a note at info at colorado-security.com and we're happy to connect with you and walk you through how to do that. All right, well, let's jump into the news. Uh, first story this week, uh, Let's Roam, which is a Denver-based company, uh, they do sort of citywide scavenger hunts. 
Um, they've launched some in-home scavenger hunts since everyone is stuck there. So this is obviously uh, one of those news announcements for any of you who are home and bored out of your mind, looking for creative new things you can do either with your family or virtually with folks in other homes. They have a, a good set of um, not only kind of family-oriented in-home scavenger hunt, they also have date-oriented scavenger hunts, which you know I don't know exactly what that means, but you know it could be interesting. Uh, and there's there's a, quite a few different options you can choose from. Yeah, so uh, go check out their website, uh, look for some of those scavenger hunts, and, and maybe have a good time exploring your house. And think of this as a way to help support a local business that I would imagine they are pretty well devastated by the, by the shutdown, and they could use some, some support. So You would think. Uh, let's, hopefully, we can do that for them. Uh, next, speaking of businesses that are, could use some support, uh, local internet provider, WOW, uh, used to be Wide Open West. I think they just call it WOW now. Uh, their CEO was diagnosed with, with COVID-19, and, and she's actually been hospitalized. Yeah, uh, so that is no good. Um, this actually came after they had, uh, they had asked all of their employees to go home and, and self-isolate. Uh, but... Uh, but Teresa Elder, who is the CEO, um, did uh, catch COVID-19 and, and was in a hospital. Sounds like uh, she's going to be all right. But while she is there, uh, the CIO, Bill Case, is going to be acting CEO. And then also uh, one of the folks on their board is going to step in to take on uh, some additional responsibilities in the, in the interim. Yeah, obviously wish Ms. Ms. Elder uh, a speedy recovery and hopefully gets back to, the, to work real soon. Uh, on a positive note, uh, Davida is set to hire 15,000 employees across the U.S. in 2020. So that's yeah, this is news. kind of the opposite of a lot of the news we've been seeing about companies that are laying folks off or, or freezing hires. Uh, they, they opened up a massive number of positions, and they're across all kinds of different roles. Lots of uh, healthcare people, so registered nurses, nurse practitioners, social workers, uh, dietitians. Um, but they're also hiring roles such as IT and human resources and executive assistants. So lots of different roles. And, you know, considering the fact that I know a lot of folks have, have all of a sudden been looking for work, that might be a good place to work. I've never heard someone who speaks poorly about working for DeVita. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty cool. Uh, there was also a piece in the article that said that they are working with other kidney care providers uh, to set up a way so they can care for uh, folks that have been diagnosed with COVID-19 um, who also need kidney care, you know, so uh, I don't know exactly what they're doing, if it's uh, setting up separate areas or uh, some, some way to isolate, but, you know, just because you've, you've caught something that is communicable um, doesn't mean you're not going to need to get your kidney care anymore. So it sounds yeah. like they are, are leading an effort across different providers to, to help with that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I mean just imagine dialysis is a uh, it's, you know, the definition of essential, right? If you don't get your dialysis, right. you're going to die. And, and if, if you can't go get it because you're infected and you're going to infect the people around you, you know, they got to come up with a solution. So it's very cool that they've, I don't know if they've come up with separate buildings that are going to be just for COVID or different entrances or what, but pretty cool stuff. Definitely. Uh, next, we have a final installation in the ongoing, what's it called? A 2020 Tech Madness Finals. So we talked about that uh, unfortunately, Stack, Stockhawk had, had lost in the semifinals, but uh, the finals was between Heart Hero and Cirrus MD. Um, and Alex, we have a winner. You want to you wanna announce? Yeah, uh, Heart Hero is the winner. Congratulations to them. Um, this, as they mentioned in the article, was um, a, a year of underdogs. So the uh, Heart Hero was a number seven seed uh, in their victory over number three seed Cirrus MD. 
So pr pretty awesome. I, obviously, it's just fun. And, I, and I'll say it's fun for me because I got to learn about a bunch of new local companies that I didn't know, uh, tech companies. And hopefully for those of you listening, you've, you've learned a little bit more. There's a lot of good stuff going on here in Colorado. Uh, exactly. Uh, next, we have some news out of the National Cybersecurity Center down in Colorado Springs. They have uh, launched their uh, Secure the Vote Advisory Board uh, to put some effort into securing elections. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a kind of a, basically a uh, a thought leadership uh, group that's gonna be able to provide election security um, guidance for for different municipalities and uh, different regions. They have a a pretty impressive list of folks who's on the board, kind of a who's who of elections, at least here in Colorado. I know Matt Crane was the uh, ran elections here in Denver for quite a while, um, and and they got the the CEO of, of Votes. If you're a member of Votes, was the the app that we had in the news recently for for having some security issues and uh, quite a few other folks, Dominion Voting, they make voting machines, yep. um, quite a few others that, that really, you know, have a lot of experience in the industry. Yeah. And I mean, obviously this is an area that can't get enough attention. Uh, so having, you know, someone else looking into election security is definitely a good thing. And I, I look forward to hearing what comes out of the advisory group. All right, moving along, we have a, a blog post from Managed Methods. Alex, you got to think that while this is, this is terrible for everyone and no one loves this thing. Managed Methods has got to be like, we told you so about online school security because this is what they've been saying for what, two or, I don't know, at least two or three years that we've been talking about it. Um, that, you know, that schools are using G Suite and they got to get better at security there. And all of a sudden now everyone's moving to online, to online school. You know, it's right in their wheelhouse. And, you know, they have a blog post kind of talking about how do you secure your, your school and your, your students' information when, you know, you're rapidly moving to, a, a, to an online school situation. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting to see the, the evolution of managed methods. You know, when they first came on the scene, they were just, uh, you know, sort of a, a general purpose CASB like, uh, like many of the others. But really, they've, they've focused their attention on the uh, K-12 market. And, you know, th this is right up their alley for, for helping to secure all those folks that are all now at home doing some sort of uh, education. So pretty cool to see that. Yeah, they have a, f a few points in this blog post about how to, how to do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it makes sense for us to go through it. I think it, it does make sense, though, for you, those of you who have kids in school or, uh, or who are talking to educators about how they should secure the environment. This, this, this link would be a good resource to share with them and uh, make sure that those who are making those decisions have the knowledge they need. Definitely. Uh, next, Optiv had a blog post this week talking about defending container compromise. Um, I thought that one was pretty interesting. This is actually the, the second part in a two-part uh, blog series. The first part was kind of uh, setting up their premise and, you know, the potential way that, uh, that a container could get compromised. And the second blog post gets into the details of how you could potentially uh, catch and remediate that, uh, that container compromise. So uh, definitely some good info in there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's especially something that you want to share internally. For most companies, um, moving to to Docker, to moving to containerization is is a relatively new thing, and and most of the folks are are thinking more about how do I make it work, how do I start getting efficiencies from it, how do I you know move my applications to support being containerized and microservices, and and maybe they're not thinking so much about how could someone misuse this technology. So as your as your IT teams are learning about how to use containers, it would be really good to show them. How, that, how containers can be misused as well. Definitely. 
All right. Uh, next blog post we have is uh, is actually around uh, compliance and privacy compliance. So it's from Biteback Law, and it's giving a nice update about the status of CCPA, so the California Consumer Protection Act, and CCPA 2.0. We th I think we talked about that a few weeks ago that there is a, a new law coming um, that's that's going to take the place of CCPA, and probably depending on how the elections go. And um, then there's some other states that that have. Uh, pending le legislation as well. I know for us, as in a, my company works across all the different states and different countries as well, this is important for me to know. And I think that you know it, it's really worth reading through if you're responsible for compliance. Yeah, and of course, this is the blog put out by uh, David Staus um, at Hush Blackwell. And I thought one of the interesting things in here talking about uh, CCPA 2.0 specifically was um, you know the the those new measures for CCPA 2.0 are, are going to be a ballot measure, but they, uh, the measure had not gotten the number of signatures yet to actually get on the ballot, and they didn't think that that would be a problem. However, uh, you know, the coronavirus has thrown a curveball to that with now everyone being in isolation. It's, you know, I'd say only slightly tougher to get people to, to sign a petition to, uh, to get something on the ballot. So I, I think that they have to have those in sometime near the end of uh, of April. So it's possible that uh, they might not be able to get the number of signatures needed. So um, it may not be on the ballot in California. It's kind of an interesting uh, tangent, right? Edge case, right? You know, you don't think about that when you say everyone has to stay at home, but now we just stop the ability to, to get a new me measure on the on the ballot. Interesting. Yeah, you have to wonder if they'll, you know, give an extension or, or do something along those lines. Um, I've also heard you know, on different topics about that in, in Colorado, people trying to get things on the ballot now are having some problems because they can't get out and get petitions. Yeah, interesting. And of course, you know, moving to online, anything is, is a big change. It'd be tough to do. Yep. Uh, we have a, another announcement this week about uh, Truno. We talked a little bit about it uh, last week. This is a, uh, another article about them launching their uh, search engine for cybersecurity. So uh, good to see the press that they're getting. Yeah, I, I, we talked about it last week. Not much more to say other than congrats to them if you haven't looked it up yet. It's worth looking. It's free. You know, you can start to search. I'd say it's, it's not there yet, right? It's kind of a beta version. Um, but, you know, you can give feedback and you'll, you'll see that feedback incorporated into the platform. And over time, it should become a pretty valuable resource for you guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. Final, uh, we, what we have here is a, a blog post from Red Canary. And really what it is is a summary of a whole bunch of free webinars. So I know we've had just... A, a massive number of cancellations over the last few weeks. Um, we expect that that's going to continue for the next couple of months. Well, Red Canary is giving you a list of, of things you can do to, to get educated, to, to get learned up for free from your from your home office. Um, so take a look at that and, and maybe look through the, their uh, webinars for something that's going to be speaking directly to what you need. Yeah, sort of a, a meta blog post, right? Talking about all, um, previous things that they now have all in one place. So yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, and that takes us to the end of the news for this week. So we can go ahead and jump over to uh, the Slack message of the week. Uh, of course, every week we pick a Slack message of the week, and that is sponsored by Andre Gata. So thanks to Andre. He provides out of his own pocket a $25 credit to the Colorado Google Security Store for our whoever the winner is of the Slack message of the week. And Rob, who is our winner this week? This week, Rick Hill. Congrats to Rick. Uh, Rick uh, made me smile with a suggestion around, you know, right after the government announced the the recommendation for folks to wear face masks in public, he said, you know, when are we going to get some Colorado Equal Security face masks? Alex, we don't have those figured out quite yet, but I know we're we're eagerly looking to figure out when we can have 
Colorado Equal Security face masks for all of you to, to wear with pride as you walk around town. Yeah, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up um, with the, the, the shortage of supplies that there are anyway. My guess is that by the time we, we get logoed face masks, we may not be wearing face masks anymore. Um, but gosh darn it, we're going to try. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I plan to keep wearing face masks if they're comfortable. I, I saw a, a recent meme uh, from, what is it, from Princess Bride. Uh, do you remember when the man in black is, is fighting at, uh, an ego Mantoya at the top of the cliff? And yeah. he, said, he says, why do you wear a mask? Says, well, they're, they're terribly comfortable. I, I imagine in the future, everyone's going to wear a mask. <laughs> so you know, very predictive of where we are today. Exactly. Exactly. Well, All right, jumping over to Rick. Oh yeah, congratulations to Rick. You'll get one item from the store. Um, jumping over to events, you know, our event calendar, uh, you know, it's full, it's actually still full of stuff, but I suspect most of that stuff is not gonna happen. So be really careful, try, you know, trying to go to anything. But we do have a couple of virtual events that we can call out that we're confident are going to take place. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, first, uh, OWASP Denver slash Boulder is doing their April meeting in virtual style. So that is happening on the 15th. And on the 20th, we have the Software Freedom School doing a Security Plus peer study group. So this is an exam prep. Um, if, you're, if you're interested in getting your Security Plus certification, this is a good group you can connect with. And I imagine that you know, just the connections you would make there would give you more studying outside of that particular event. Yeah, and this is a, a multi-weekend or uh, multi-day, definitely, uh, study group. Um, I believe that there is a... Um, a suggested cost, but I think that it is also a, a pay what you feel it is worth sort of thing. All right. Jumping over to jobs. You know, it has been a little bit harder to find quite so many jobs in the last few weeks. However, uh, once again, we do have a slate of 10 jobs worth sharing with you. Starting off with Ping Identity, of course, the best job on the list. I am hiring a GRC analyst who's going to be focused on a business continuity and incident response. Um, if, you, if you're interested in getting involved there, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to talk to someone who's got, who's got a GRC perspective and maybe some privacy. Uh, either of those, you can send me a note or apply on the website and I'll talk to you then. Logisticare is hiring a chief information security officer. The Hershevec Group is hiring a network security engineer uh, focused on Palo Alto Networks. Direct Defense is looking for a security analyst. Caterpillar is hiring an OT security specialist. ULA, or the United Launch Alliance, is looking for an information security architect. Nelnet is hiring an IT security architect focused on application security. USAA is looking for a cyber threat intelligence analyst. Is it, is it Bo, Boicor? Bocor? Uh, sure. I think it's however you want to pronounce it, Rob. I'm going to call it Bocor is hiring a corporate IT cybersecurity manager. And finally, Dark Wolf Solutions uh, is hiring a penetration tester slash red team tester. And uh, just as a note, those last three jobs are actually all down in Colorado Springs. All right. Well, that is it for the, uh, the show here today. We, well, excuse me, for the newscast, we do have an interview coming up, like I mentioned, with Brad Rhodes. Brad, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Alex, uh, I guess I won't be seeing you anytime soon, but hopefully we can, we can stay connected. And if nothing else, we'll, we'll talk next week to record. Definitely. Thanks, Rob. This is Tim Coogan, Chief Information Security Officer of Denver International Airport. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security for Colorado Security Professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. I'm Ty Burke filling in for Rob and Alex, and I'm here with Brad Rhodes uh, of Zavilo. Brad, it's wonderful to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's always always good to talk about uh, security and what's happening here in the great state of Colorado. 
Definitely. I know you, you've done a number of podcasts uh, recently and uh, you're relatively new at Tavilo and um, we've got a, a whole lot of questions and a lot of stuff to talk about as it relates to what's going on with COVID-19 and, and how that might affect uh, some of the work you're doing today. Um, but on this, uh, on this dismal uh, 25 degree uh, snow sleety day, icing day, um, let's, let's start with something positive. I want to hear about um, what's, what's been going good. What, what's a silver lining of um, your, uh, I'm assuming you're working from home or, or the businesses um, and maybe it's time with family or um, I don't know, what, what's some of the good that might be coming out of this virus uh, and this pandemic rather um, uh, in your world? Well, uh, it's it's obviously it's obviously good to work from home. Uh, I've worked from home for for a number of years now, uh, and so that's been oh, it's always been a plus. Um, actually, the big silver lining for me is that um, I just actually got back uh, from Fort Meade, Maryland, uh, with my cyber protection team uh, out of the Colorado Guard. Um, gone for about 14 months, um, and just because of the nature of the deployment and everything like that, I ended up not having a significant amount of time to do reintegration with my family. And so the pandemic came along and has allowed that to happen better. <laughs> so okay. I, I see that definitely as a silver lining. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I think there's so much, um, I'm so excited to hear about how this is going to change things um, or, or what things will, how, how we as a society and as a planet will benefit. Like you've already heard a lot of, about pollution in, in some of the hardest hit areas uh, from street traffic. It's just, it, it's completely reversed. Um, the, the atmosphere I've heard is a lot cleaner because there's 10% of airplanes flying and uh, what that does for the rest of the environment. I don't know. I think that there's, um, it'll be really interesting to see once we can reserve, resume you know, normal life, how, how this, this pandemic will have uh, affected us for, you know, for the, for the better, I'm hopeful at least. No, no, I agree. I think that uh, one of the things that you see here is that, you know, I, I joke with people all the time and say, Hey, this is the 21st century is the information age. Um, yet, we still have so many places that are so focused on, oh, you have to be a butt in a chair in an office, right? Uh, you know, if, if you trust your employees and trust your folks to do good work and, and we have the technology to allow folks to work wherever they happen to be and, and get some of that work-life balance that we have heard about for the last 25, 30 years, um, you know, now's the time, right? And, and it, we're being forced into it. And I think that'll be a good thing. I, I think you'll see some folks and some organizations that realize that, hey, our folks continue to do great work, even though they were, you know, quote unquote, in their offices at their homes. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's, I think there's definitely some positive stuff that will come from that. Yeah, it makes me think about like the, the, the shared workspaces um, around the world and how, how prevalent those have become and how essential they, they have become for a lot of, you know, one to five person businesses. Well, if those one to five person businesses aren't able to go into that shared space and they're able to do their job from home, maybe just as effectively, who knows? Like, will that, will that spell uh, a shift in, in the shared workspace going forward? I don't, I don't know, but it's something, it's something to probably consider. 
Well, I think it's unique. I mean, and, and you made a really good point. It's, it's, you know, we have these one to five person businesses. I mean, this is, this is the unique thing about the era that we live in. You as, a, as an individual can have an idea and you can take that idea to market uh, on the cheap and actually be a success. Um, and I think that those businesses uh, that are able to uh, adapt to the, the changes that we're seeing right now are the ones that are going to be successful long, long term. You know, obviously, we've seen over the years trends where, uh, you know, the, the typical brick and mortar businesses, you know, have, have struggled at points. And there have been brands that I used to shop at, you know, years ago that are no longer around because they just weren't able to adapt. And it's unfortunate. And, it, and, it, and it's hard for, obviously, the, the employees and employers out there. But I think that sometimes given, you know, given a, a, a crisis in front of us, if we flip that crisis and turn it into an opportunity, um, good things come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting for sure. Well, well tell us about yourself, um, who you are. Uh, tell us about Zvila, what you're doing there, um, you know, kind of about the business. I know that, um, I know that, um, well, there's a couple of different products, but we'd love to hear about kind of what you guys do best over there. Sure. So we are. So so I'm the head of cybersecurity for Zivilo. Um, I, I started actually uh, on the 9th of March, and then of course you know the pandemic blew up, and here we are. Um, we we categorize the web. Um, so our mission at Zivilo is to help make the internet a safer place for everyone. And the way we do that is our our primary product set is where we uh, have something called the active web. Uh, where we are getting a, a set of information based on our database. And what we're doing is, is we're categorizing the content of the web. So, uh, for example, uh, if you go to our website, uh, go to tools.zvilo.com, and if you were to put in www.cnn.com, uh, you would get back a tile set that explains, uh, you know, the content of, of CNN. Uh, you know, it's an, it's an international news source. Um, there's stuff related to the International Ad Bureau, right? Is it brand safe? Is it malicious, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the intent there with that is to provide that service to our customers. And we do that via several means, uh, primarily via our API and our SDK. Uh, so our API is obviously a cloud-based capability where folks reach out and can touch that. Um, and then we also have an in-house and, and many folks will take our, our software development kit, uh, which is, a, is, a, is our database basically in their data center, which allows them to have that uh, really quick revisit rate to immediately protect their customers uh, from malicious content. Um, so it's a pretty big mission. Uh, it's a pretty unique opportunity. Um, and we're looking to, uh, to expand and grow the data set that we offer to our customers, uh, specifically in the cybersecurity area, to help better categorize and understand what malicious actually means uh, so that our folks can then make better decisions and help protect their customers overall. Okay, so so uh, now when did you? I'm sorry. When did you join officially? So I officially started with Zivilu on the 9th of March. Gotcha. Wow. Uh, so, well, you're really kind of thrown into it, I guess. <laughs> Jeff, we just jump right in. <laughs> yeah, and um, and what's kind of the current state of things? How are um, how is Zivilu? Um, acting or, or, or uh, I guess reacting rather to what's going on right now. So, uh, well, so from the standpoint of just sort of day-to-day -day operations, right? Um, again, we talked earlier about the, the the opportunity of the information age and being able to do work for any from anywhere. Um, we're a very agile business. Um, we have a lot of folks that are remote. 
Uh, we have uh, folks uh, spread across the globe uh, that, that support and help us to follow the sun, um, whether it's our, our dev folks or our QA folks in the Philippines, for example, right? So we're, we're already very remote. So this is not an unknown to us. Um, we do maintain an office because um, sometimes, you know, when you're whiteboarding an engineering challenge or something like that, it's sometimes that something you have to actually whiteboard. Um, but uh, because we have always operated in a fairly remote sense, uh, we've been able to adapt and, and, and utilize our existing technologies uh, and, and move out and do everything from our home offices, which is good. Uh, so basically for us, that means that the work continues and we continue to move forward, uh, not only with our existing product offerings, uh, but the things and the new ideas that we're working on to better improve uh, you know, web content categorization for our customers. Okay. I've heard from a few other folks that a lot, uh, a lot of dev teams are. This isn't as fluid as they as they may have expected it to be. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, they're used to to scrums. They're used to whiteboarding exercises. They're used to kind of being together, figuring out something out. You know, a two week sprint, whatever it might be, and then and then and then going from there. Um, and now. Um, without kind of that, you know, I think, I think there's like a general, I shouldn't, I don't know, a lot of people, a lot of it, you know, developers can be, tend to be a little bit more introverted. And so like there, there might be thoughts that people would, that, that a lot of them might be a little more, um, I don't know, hesitant to, to be in a group setting. But what I've heard is the, the opposite that, that now that a lot of developers are uh, working from home, there's a lot of, it's a lot more disjointed than, uh, than, than I think some of their managers expected because they're just not used to having to, to pull up a Zoom or pull up a Skype or, and, th and that just slows down productivity all around. Is that something, I mean, in your, I don't know, 23 days on the job, um, <laughs> have you been able to notice any of that at all? No, I haven't seen any of that. I think our, we, we have our, our teams and, and doing their work as we would expect them to. And because again, many of our devs are remote, um, this is not an unknown for us to be able to operate sort of in that kind of construct, right? I do think that all of us, uh, we were we were actually on a, a call with some folks a couple days ago uh, on the team and we're looking at stuff and we're like, okay, so how do we whiteboard this and we don't actually have a whiteboard to draw on? So I think we, one of my guys pulled down an app and, and start, you know, and said, okay, let's just do it here so we can then, then you know, screenshot that out and share it with everybody. So that's, that's always a bit of a challenge. Um, but I think that because we've already operated in that, that construct, we're, we're continuing to move forward, um, you know, in sort of our standard rhythm of things. Uh, you know, we work on sort of a two-week model, as many organizations do. Um, but again, I think some of this, uh, some of our challenges really that we've seen is the fact that we actually moved offices in the middle of this. Uh, and none of us have actually been into the new office except for one or two people that help with the move. And so that's, you know, we, we sit here at our homes and we're ready to go and we want to, you know, at points in time, go to the office when we need to, but we can't because of obviously the restrictions that we have here in Colorado. Right. Well, I want to dig into a lot of this a lot more, but I don't want to get away from uh, who you are and, and your background. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your, your career uh, before Zabilo and who you are? I believe you're part of the National Guard. Um, would love sure. to hear about... Um, uh, that experience for you, and then also, like, I don't know if, if you're being called into duty or or or, uh, or anything like that, but, but would love to hear kind of 
you know, from education up through up through uh, March, March 9th, I guess. Sure. So the, the short. So I've got so 23 years in the field. Um, way too many professional certifications because I either get bored or whatever and I like to do tests and, and I have fun learning stuff. So that's good. Um, I had I started out uh, after I graduated uh, from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University uh, and was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army. Uh, was stationed at Fort Gordon, Georgia for a few years on active duty as a signal officer. Uh, that's what you would term in the rest of the world as communications, but signals like, you know, flag, semaphore, that kind of thing. Um, when I left active duty, I joined the Colorado Guard as a traditional soldier. Um, and so I, I've commanded multiple units uh, in combat uh, with the Guard, um, deployed to OIF, uh, so Operation Iraqi Freedom, Afghanistan, most recently Fort Meade, but I'll come back to that in a second. Um, in my civilian career, I've been uh, a consultant for, uh, for Air Force Base Command, uh, Army Space Command. Uh, at times, I've worked in the intelligence community as a government civilian, um, which is always an interesting experience. Um, and then I've also done uh, cybersecurity stuff with a couple, of, uh, a couple of larger firms. In and out of policy circles, in and out of tech circles, always been a techie. I, I, I've... Uh, I, I cut my teeth with a, a trash 80 back in the in the 1980s and and did war dialing back in the day, which probably get me in really big trouble now. Um, so lots of fun in that sort of arena. Uh, most recently, before I came to Zvilo, I was actually forward deployed at Fort Meade uh, with my cyber protection team uh, out of the Colorado Guard, um, and we were there for a national mission um, supporting uh, supporting uh, U.S. Cyber Command and Army Cyber. Um, Heck of an experience. Learned a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, for for the for the audience, uh, definitely definitely know that the the cyber warriors out there um, are doing good stuff to keep America safe on the cyber front lines. Uh, and so that's that's really what I want to say about that. I am a, a in the guard. I'm a lieutenant colonel, uh, 17 Alpha Cyber Warfare Officer. Uh, so that means that I. I've been duly certified by the Army as, as one of those, you know, quote unquote, cyber guys. Um, but I will tell you that none of us uh, across the board, especially on my guard side of the house, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. All the smartest guys are my warrant officers and my enlisted folks who are way smarter than me and are just absolute wizards. Um, and it was absolutely a pleasure to serve out there with them. Um, the Zivilo opportunity was something that uh, I, I just, great organization, great opportunity, great mission, right? Uh, you, you rarely do you find an organization, and we're, we're small but mighty at Zivilo, that has a mission statement that says, we're going to make the internet safer for everybody else. Uh, and that is something that really resonated with me, and that's one of the reasons I joined the team. Well, uh, thank you for your service, for starters. That's uh, a really, <laughs> I'm sure we could have a lot longer conversation just on some of the experiences you've had there. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, as a fellow American, I'm certainly appreciative and I know everybody else is. So, so thank you for what you've done. Have you, um, are you a Colorado native or, or how long have you lived here? So, no, I was actually born in Oregon, grew up there and then Southern California. Um, I've been in Colorado though for better part of 20 plus years now. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. How does, uh, the, um, as I said, I'm, I'm in the executive recruiting business, um, and so I'm, I'm always thinking about talent and uh, competencies. Um, given that you've been in a lot of different geographies, a lot of different bases, um, 
how how might it compare in Colorado to some of the other other places you've been uh, stationed at? I guess for you know periods of time. I guess. Yeah, I've been I've been all over the place and between traveling for 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 regular work and for guard, I've I've seen lots of things. I will tell you that, in my experience, some of the talent here in Colorado is unbelievable. Um, we have a great uh, along the Front Range uh, and across the Rockies. There are some incredibly smart people with just amazing ideas, right? Uh, you know, and, and I've seen in Colorado, there's so many people that just want to go do uh, that. It's just, it's just awesome. Um, that's one of the things that's been unique in my experience, especially in the guard is I've got to meet a lot of these people. Um, we do a regular exercises with our mission partners, be they academic, uh, be they critical infrastructure, be they, um, uh, uh, um, excuse me, um, like school districts and you know local governments, county governments, stuff like that. Even the FBI uh, and other organizations that are here in Colorado. Um, definitely, definitely a lot of value in Colorado and a lot of smart people that are out there every day trying to you know secure their assets and make sure that you know the work that they do uh, is is protecting their employees, their fellow coworkers, you know, from all of the bad actors that are out there trying to get a leg up. That is so awesome to hear. That's, uh, you know, we've got listeners all across the state, all across the region, and uh, I'm sure many of those listeners are the people you're referring to. And so um, that's, uh, that's, that's really encouraging. Um, so let's, let's shift back to, I think we, we'll give our listeners, you know, we gave our listeners 15, 20 minutes of a respite on uh, the only type of, of news they've heard lately, which is around the, uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, but let's shift back to it, especially because I'm curious about what, what ZBLO is doing um, with a lot of the information that, that might be in your own data sets. I mean, are there, well, for starters, how are you, how are you gathering your information on, on, on uh, how the virus is uh, spreading and specifically within the security community? Well, so it, it's funny that you that you couch it that way. Spreading is a good sort of term. So um, one of the things that we're doing at Zivilo, and this is new, um, is we're working on uh, looking more proactively uh, at our content categorization at the web, right? So we sort of have two, we have, we have three sort of ways we look at uh, our platform. We have the active web, right, which is, are several hundred million uh, customers protected uh, that we're actively looking at what they're clicking on and understanding, you know, those that content coming in. And then we have the inactive web. And so the inactive web are those things that are um, not active anymore. They could have been taken down by law enforcement. They're, uh, they're no longer a registered domain, right? All those things, that's sort of the inactive web. And then the proactive web, which is really new for us, right, is trying to get out in front of threats before they happen, right? And so that's proactively looking uh, at our data set, right, and the data sets that we have access to from a proprietary perspective to understand what's happening, uh, you know, in the space. The good news or the bad news in my mind is that threat actors tend to follow the world situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's helpful, right? Because so, so just like as a, as a defender, as a, as a proactive guy, I can look at the world and say, okay, 
what are the two big things that are happening, say, in the United States that I'm concerned about? Well, one, obviously, is coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, and so that's, that's put that in a box. And the other thing that's happening, obviously, is the 2020 elections, right? So at Civilo, we can go back and then look in our data set and say, what are we seeing related to those two events? So let's just focus for now on COVID-19. About, it's almost six weeks ago now, we started to seeing a massive uptick to the tune of several thousand or more registrations of domains uh, specific to coronavirus, right? And obviously the threat actors are looking at the situation. Now, there are obviously legitimate reasons why you would register a domain, right? It could be that you want to point people uh, to a specific site, right? You might want to protect your brand, right? You, multiple reasons why you would do that. Um, in the era of generic top-level domains, you know, so you know the, the standard top-level domains, .com, .org, .net, right? Well, now, um, for example, I could go out if I wanted to. It's a pretty expensive proposition, but let's say I wanted to buy a, a GTLD, a generic top-level domain of .zvlo. I could do that, um, and I could register a whole bunch of subdomains under that and, and, and things like that. Well, those generic top-level domains, right, are either bought by folks that want to protect their brand or they're bought by folks that want to make money. Um, and some of the folks out there that are, are using these domains or, or managing these generic top-level domains, right, they probably don't have as many scruples as many of us do. Um, and so they're willing to sell to anybody. And many of those sites then get purchased and then are designed or built to deliver, or those domains are built to deliver, uh, you know, potentially malicious content, could be malware, could be bots, you know, could be stood up for a command and control channel, you name it. That's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. Um, uh, interestingly, um, uh, it was about two weeks ago now, Namecheap.com uh, came out and said that they were no longer going to support registrations of domains related to COVID-19 or coronavirus. Um, and that is a unique thing happening out there. But unfortunately, we're looking at several, we're looking at thousands upon thousands of these domains, and not all of them are serving good content. Uh, and that's the concern, right? So it goes to the general public, to anybody out there, right? Hey, be careful what you click on, right? Because Lord knows where you're going to actually get redirected to, right? You could actually get redirected to something legitimate, but more than likely you're going to get redirected to something that's not legitimate that drops something on your, uh, on your desktop or on your computer and then actually starts to steal your data, right? And unfortunately that cyber criminal element out there is looking at the world situation and they're looking to take advantage of fear and uncertainty and everything, unfortunately, that's been associated with the coronavirus. Well, there, there's so much mania around this. It kind of reminds me of the 2016 election and all the misinformation that was distributed through the internet um, because, you know, this was kind of like the, the peak of clickbait, like what did this candidate say or what did this candidate's spouse do or anything like that? And, and people got really excited about it. There's even less, um, uh, kind of well-known information about this virus than there are actual human beings. And so there's so much opportunity for people to be influenced with, with the wrong material. Uh, but then on the back end of that, for, for these threat actors to come in and, uh, and, and do some damage. So what do you guys, so how does, uh, you're identifying all of these, um, 
all of these potential, uh, uh, I don't know, malicious uh, threat mm-hmm. actors, whatever it might be, um, wh- what do you do from there? How do you figure out, who do you work with to make sure that that um, their, their kind of influence is halted or, um, or not distributed even further? Well, so the, so the good news is, is that the threat actors, just like us on the, the good side of the, like, it's kind of like Star Wars, right? You got the light side and the dark side, right? So the folks on the dark side, right, um, have to use the exact same set of standards that we do on the light side, right? And so when a malicious domain gets categorized that way uh, into our database, right, all of our customers that are subscribing um, to our feed, right, are then protected from that, right? So that means that if uh, they go to on whatever device it is they happen to have, they're not going to actually be able to get to that specific site. Uh, and so that's how we that, that's kind of the that's kind of the magic there, right? And ultimately, all we're using the fact is that is we're allowing our customers right to get to to bring in that data feed from Zvilo, and then that goes into their uh, content management, content blocking services that they provide to their customers, and then that ultimately is where that stops. And so, really, in the end, right, if you never get to the malicious content, you don't get served the malicious content, and the actors have to go someplace else. And that's what we're aiming to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. How about, um, you mentioned the two things going on, obviously COVID-19, but also an election year. What are you guys doing in terms of, uh, I'm sure this is a big, a big whale of a question, but, but how are you protecting the internet um, from the, the uh, coming presidential election in the U.S.? No, obviously that's something that, that we're very concerned about, and I think everybody is. Um, and the challenge is that, um, with the, the current mania, as you so well aptly put it, related to coronavirus, COVID-19, right? This is an opportunity that threat actors are gonna take to build out their content, to buy up their domains, to buy up all of that namespace so that they can begin to serve content when this all dies down. And so um, we're right now, we've already put it on our docket to start digging into that set of data as well from a proactive perspective, right? So that we can begin to understand what we're seeing out there, right? If we start to see uh, malicious stuff uh, serve, then those are things that'll get immediately added to the Zavilo DB so we can protect our customers. Yeah. Really, really an interesting um situation that we're in with <laughs> with these two like monumental uh, uh, I don't know events I guess happening uh, almost simultaneously and then also there's just so so much potential out there uh, for um, for for bad people to do bad stuff so I'm, I'm uh, it'll be interesting to hear kind of you know what we're seeing at the end of 2020 when it's all said and done yeah one of the things that we're talking about uh, at Zivilo is we want to build out a, a report um, that we serve on an annual basis uh, that sort of gives people the sort of the overview of what we're seeing from a content perspective, not only, you know, on the, the good side of content, like what kind of content's out there, but then also the malicious side of things. Um, so that's, that's one of the things we're excited about. Um, and as we're, as we're tooling up for uh, better understanding those different things, that's going to allow us to do that. Okay, that's cool. That'll be that'll be really insightful. Um, so, how are you, well? Let me ask you this: Are is your team hiring right now? Are you guys? Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, individuals across the state, across the region, who've been impacted 
uh, by this. You know, I, I don't know that security folks are are kind of at the top of it, but but there are a lot of people who um, are are looking for their next opportunity. Uh, is uh, are there opportunities at Zavilo for them? We do. We have. There's definitely some some requisitions out on the street. Um, so definitely go to zvilo.com. Uh, and check out what's out there. Uh, we're looking right now for a number of uh, engineers uh, to help us uh, as we look at, we're doing some infrastructure transition right now and then some additional product dev. And so definitely some great opportunities at Zvilo uh, to, to jump into the fray right away and to, to make things better. What, what types of security folks at or would be successful at Zvilo? And I, I know you, you've been there a couple of weeks, so you don't really, you may not know, um, a whole, you know, this may not be a very deep answer in terms of, you know, systems experience and or cultural experience, but but what are some of the things that you all typically look for in folks? So we typically look for, we, we because we obviously, we, we do a lot of cloud stuff. Um, so obviously folks with cloud-based experience is good, uh, both from a dev perspective and a security perspective, um, but also folks that are willing to, you know, jump in and and, you know, yeah, we, we have our, our leadership team, but even our leadership team will roll up our sleeves and, and jump in. So uh, lots of lots of, you know, just just collaborative folks. Right. Uh, folks that have a, you know, a broad set of experiences. Right. Whether it's, you know, some coding stuff, some security stuff. Right. Cloud. It, you know, that's the types of, you know, the, the types of engineering brains we're looking for uh, right now uh, to, to fill some of our, our open spots. Gotcha. OK. Well, there's. Um... Hopefully you'll get some some good good you know candidates and people head your way soon. Um, let me ask you this: uh, we're we're in the middle of it, and you know I think it, depending on what uh, what metro area you're in, uh, you may have hit the peak, you may not. I don't know that we have in in uh, on the front range here. Um, but what when you think about you know one of the things that. Um, I really appreciate about talking to security folks is the opportunity for education, painful education uh, at times uh, when it comes to just learning from mistakes and, and um, what they could have done better. Um, had, had you been sitting as the head of security at Zvilo for, um, you know, in let's just say December and, and, and January, um, knowing what you know now and what might you have done differently? Like how might you have been better prepared as a security practitioner, um, had you known the out, you know, the, the outbreak would would wreak the havoc that it has. Like, what else? What, what would you have done differently, or what would you have done to supplement the things that you're already doing? Well, I think that that you know, obviously, these are those these are the kinds of things that you're never truly prepared for. Um, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> um, you know, things like uh, you know having uh, you know in general, right going through with our employees and, and, and our partners with, you know, what, what are good basic cyber hygiene things you can do? Like, you know, uh, you know, having all of, having everything set up for multi-factor authentication, right? Cause that prevents so many bad things, right? Um, having VPNs in place for folks to use, whether it's accessing infrastructure, which we have, or, you know, just protecting themselves when they do work stuff, right? The, the thing in the environment right now is that, um, is that so many, you know, attackers out there realize that we've shifted to this proactive work environment or this, this not proactive, but this, this work environment from home. Um, and so now you have a focus on online collaboration capabilities. Um, and we're seeing uh, some of them right now showing to have major vulnerabilities. Um, 
you know, and they're great capabilities, but they have major vulnerabilities. And unfortunately, the only reason we're seeing these vulnerabilities is because we're actually using them, you know, to such a great extent. And oh, by the way, I would think that we'll probably see a whole bunch more of those pop up over time, just because that's the nature of the beast. And oh, by the way, attackers take advantage of those things. And so what I've told my folks, and, and, and just from an education perspective, right, is, you know, make yourself a hard target, right? You know, it, you know pay attention to you know, it's the, the, the typical answer. Be careful what you click on, right? Don't trust anything out there. Um, you know, and those are the kinds of things that I've been telling our folks uh, since I've been on board and even a little bit before I got on board. It's like, hey, these are the kinds of things that we need to do um, because as we're here, you know, at our houses, at various, you know, our, our home offices, basements, you know, uh, bedrooms, living rooms, you know, wherever, right? There are people that are out there that want to do nothing but bad. Um, and so, you know, keep on doing the stuff that you're doing to protect yourselves. The other thing that I tell folks, and I've told, and I've told the, the, the Zavilo team is that, hey, your cybersecurity team is here, right? Even though we're remote, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them and ask for help and say, hey, I got this really weird link. Is it bad? What do you think? Right? And we've had a couple of instances of that. And that, that, Teaching our employees to, hey, proactively reach out, even though we're spread far apart, is really, really important because ultimately all of us have a large set of intellectual property we need to protect. And the only way that we can do that is if we're asking the right questions and being unafraid to ask those questions. Yeah, that's that's some really interesting stuff to me. And, and you know, I think back on what we were talking about earlier when it comes to a lot of the you know, web conferencing solutions out there, they're, they're great and they're, um, they're all over the place right now, but they're not without their own vulnerabilities. Um, so, so something has to be done about those. So let me turn it around here to you and say, what types of, of business opportunities might arise from this pandemic for Zivilo's sake? And, and, um, and maybe you don't know, but, but, Certainly, you've you've seen a lot more usage in the last couple of weeks than you first did, you know probably at the first at the beginning of the year. Um, so how can you how can you uh, turn it into a bit of a competitive advantage? Well, I mean, I think we're 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 looking to obviously enhance our product offerings already, and I think that's going to be a huge advantage for us. Um, we're also obviously uh, the you know you have the external exploits, uh, which I would argue are things that are still out there, but have sort of dipped in the pendulum of things because security has improved uh, over the years. Um, one of the things that we're looking at is really to, uh, to expand and really, really to get some, uh, some really, really good tweak, if you will, to our, our phishing offering. So we have a fish block list um, that we're working to retool right now uh, to better protect our customers across the board, whether it's, uh, you know, specific uh, phishing that they receive, you know, getting out in advance with a proactive web to identify things that could be set up as phishing domains well in advance and get that into the mix. And so I won't say this necessarily that we're, we, we, are going to get the, I'll say new opportunities, right? But I think we're looking to improve um, our offerings, right? Which will then ultimately add to those additional business opportunities. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> um, 
what else? What else haven't uh, I asked you about your work? What Zavilo is doing um, in in the face of this pandemic? That uh, our listeners, who who you know, some come from really large organizations, some come from small organizations, some are are one man or one woman shop out there. But um, what else? You know, haven't I asked you that? That might be useful for our listeners to hear. Well, I think I mean so two things. Um, one, um, if you are concerned about um, protecting your brand, protecting your employees or yourself from from content issues and access to potentially malicious things, please uh, get, go to zavila.com, reach out to us, let us see how we can help you. I think that's probably the first thing I would say. Um, the, the second thing I would say is, you know, educate yourself, um, whether you're uh, a security person or you're not a security person, right? you know, realize that there is a portion of the internet out there that is not a very nice place um, that really, really wants to take advantage of this situation, whether it's you personally, your family, uh, your, your employees, your customers, whatever, right? And their goal is to make some money off of this, um, whether, they, whether they do it via traditional means, uh, whether they social engineer you, whether they fish you, whatever the case may be, you know, really, really educate yourself specifically and in particular with so many kids uh, that have had to go to the homeschooling model. Um, uh, we've homeschooled all of our kids up to the point they got to high school. Um, so we're, we're really well aware of, of what it takes to do that, right? But there are all of these parents out there right now that have been thrown into this, hey, everybody's doing online stuff. Well, this is a great opportunity to educate your kids of what happens on the internet and teach them that the internet isn't all roses and bunnies, right? There's a lot of people out on the internet that will look to take advantage not only of you, but of your kids in particular, right? And so this is a great opportunity for parents to educate their kids about what they should post online, what they shouldn't post online, what they shouldn't share, how they should trust things online, all of those kinds of things. Don't you know, if I, as a parent, um, same kind of thing, my parent, my kids are scared of me. They know that I can track whatever they do, which is great, at least in my own house anyways. Um, you know, so, but I, I tell you what, man, parents take advantage of this time to, to educate your kids on this, right? You're not going to have another opportunity like this uh, in, you know, in the near future after this all settles down. And, you know, I don't want to see kids taken advantage of at all. And, and I think that, and that's one of the great things about our products at Zvilo is that we actually support a lot of parental controls uh, for our customers as well. And so th that's one of the things you get, but again, take advantage of that to, to help your kids understand what's safe and not safe to do on the internet. Those are great points. Those are great points, really. Uh, well, I sincerely appreciate the work that you all are doing, the work that you have done um, over the last, I think you said 23 years. Um, it's uh, it's certainly appreciated. You're on the the digital front lines of this this historic time that we're all going to look back on and think about you know, how crazy it was that we were locked in our homes for for six eight weeks whatever it was. Um, so thank you for your efforts. Thanks for the time, Brad. It's really really great getting to know you. It sounds like you guys are doing some really interesting stuff that uh, everybody in the community will benefit from. So uh, so thanks again for everything and uh, best of luck to you going forward. Great. Thanks, Ty. I appreciate it. You have a, have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. You do the same. Take care. Learn more.
more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.